Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. a new episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. Today, we're going to be joined by Clay Helton, the head football coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Uh, get to reminisce on some good times and talk about his new gig there in the Statesboro. Uh, after we visit with him, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl that happened yesterday. Um, and as you listen to it on Wednesday, it will be happened to you this past Sunday. And then we'll finish up uh, with the finale of the Days of Our Lives Auburn Saga. And then we'll get you out of here. But sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Home Visit. One of my longtime buddies here, the new head football coach at Georgia Southern, Clay Helton. Clay, how are we doing today? Doing good, brother. Thanks, Tyler, for having me. But Did you ever think of like 15 years ago that I'd be doing a podcast and you'd be on a podcast, me interviewing you? Did that cross your I mind? thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna be the head coach and I'd be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, so we'd like to, you know, we'd like to peel the curtain back a little bit and don't, yeah. you know, talk about typical stuff of, you know, we like to talk about conspiracy theories and all kinds of fun stuff. But I had to start this. I don't know if anybody has ever written about this in the media or anything, but the, I'm calling it the Clay Helton butterfly effect. Okay. How, how it, how uh, your move from mm-hmm. Arkansas State to USC, how many careers and just complete, Utter, I mean, that, that that changed by you making that move, and you never think about those kind of things. So I'm going to take everybody back in time. I believe it was like – this was 2010, correct, if I'm getting this right? Yes, in my head? it was. Okay, so I'm, at, I'm the receivers coach at Arkansas mm-hmm. State, and we have this offensive coordinator named Clay Helton that just joined us from Memphis. And so Clay was there, what, about three months? Am I right on that? I was there six weeks. Six weeks, even better, six weeks. <laughs> And you get a phone call, um, and I, we were talking about this the other day on the phone. I will never mm-hmm. forget it. We're about a week out of spring practice, and mm-hmm. I come in your office, and we were we were going we were meeting or going over whatever install or something, and I come in there, and you had this look on your face, and mm-hmm. you're like, "Dude, I just got a call from Lane Kiffin to be the quarterbacks coach at USC. What do I do?" I said, "Do you want me to help you pack your office, or are you gonna pack it yourself?" I said, "Let's go. You better go talk to head man. Let's go." But. Um, how wild was that, though? I mean, that whole – I mean, I know it took you by surprise and it's nothing – but just how crazy was that? Yeah, uh, it was It was beyond crazy because yeah, um, I'd been at the University of Memphis with Tommy West for 10 years. And um, uh, Miss Angela, my wife, and I had kind of, you know, always said, you know, where we're at, let's plant roots and, and grow within the community, grow with the football team and, and, and just be servants uh, to a university. And – you know, Steve Roberts, who was the head coach, who, I mean, you're talking about one of the finest individuals in the game, uh, gave me an opportunity to come to Jonesboro when I didn't have a job after being 10 years at University of Memphis. Uh, and then you get this call, um, and it's literally, uh, I mean, signing day. Uh, you get a call, and it's like, you, you know, got to you get to be uh, the quarterback coach at, uh, at USC. And that's, it was one, as hard, as easy as it might seem, it was, one of the one of the harder decisions just because of how good coach Roberts was as a man and uh you know the and feeling the loyalty to him and and you knew how good that staff was too I mean just there yeah. was good men on that staff um but at the end of the day uh having gone out there met uh, met Matt Barkley and 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 coach Kiffin and and Ed Ogeron and and Monty Kiffin and some of the coaches that were on that Joe Joe Barry uh, who was uh, now the DC for yeah. 
you know, the Green Bay Packers. There, there was good men on both fronts, but the, I thought it was one of those opportunities of a lifetime that you may never get again. And yeah. so you were either uh, going to take it, you were either going to take it, or I was going to kidnap you and drive you out there and, <laughs> and make you take it. Like, I remember you were that, that was the thing that, you know, a lot of people that don't know you, you're mm-hmm. extremely, you're just a great dude. You're extremely mm-hmm. humble. Um, and you were really struggling with this for a minute. And I was like, what, what's the struggle? I said, what's mm-hmm. the struggle? I said, you know, mm-hmm. but Arkansas State, and the reason being is people need to know this too. Arkansas State at that time wasn't what Arkansas State is now to where, you know, because we were, you know, we were starting to build it and everything else. Mm-hmm. But there had not been a single coach, I think, left there on their own, you know, accord mm-hmm. at that time in like the history of the school. And mm-hmm. so an opportunity to get, you know, get a job like that, one of the premier jobs in the country, um, yeah, I was going. I was going to kidnap you and take you out there if you didn't. I know you were. If you didn't I do it, but what we're going to talk about here, because I think people need to write about this. I think this is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Is the the by you doing that? Okay, mm-hmm. so here we are, three days out of spring practice or whatever. It's right before spring ball, mm-hmm. and we don't have an offensive coordinator. And this isn't a day where you just you know now it's like you just promote within or whatever. You know, this was a different time of hiring and firing and coaching. So. Uh, Coach Roberts had interviewed by himself Hugh Freeze like in mm-hmm. December or something, and then had and we'd gone ahead and, and Coach had already gone ahead and hired you, but he picks up the phone then and calls Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. and so Hugh and I told this story. Matter of fact, the very first episode we ever did, we had Hugh on, and we told this whole story about how he the moving van was there and that whole deal about him moving back. But so you, if anybody wants to listen, you can go back and listen to that whole story. But you know, Hugh comes to Arkansas State. And if he doesn't make that move, he doesn't become the next head coach mm-hmm. at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't do that, then Gus Malzahn, you know, doesn't come to Arkansas State. Brian yeah. Harson doesn't come to Arkansas State. Yes. And it's not just him. It was assistants too, right? So when mm-hmm. Hugh comes here, I went to Ole Miss. And then Hiller, mm-hmm. you know, he's in Indiana. Hiller went out and did his deal. Um, a lot of coaches, you know, off that staff because of that move that you did, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no telling how many lie, and then it just compounds, you know, as time goes on. Um, I would have never, as crazy, I would have never gone to Alabama if you hadn't mm-hmm. done that. I mean, it's just weird, yeah, weird things, man. Funny how things work out, and I tell you what, that uh, Jonesboro has been known to have some really good coaches come to it, and uh, seeing, you know, Hugh come and Gus come, and you know, O'Brien come, uh, you know, Blake. Anderson after that. I mean, just there was a run of, of great coaches starting with, with Coach Roberts uh, at that at that university. And it, it's a really cool place, too. People don't realize how good of people are in that city good and people. in that town and how much they love that university. And the best tax man that's ever lived. <laughs> so, you know, until I started this business, I used him. And though you know that I started a business, mm-hmm. I have to like, you know, make sure all my all my eyes and teaser, you know, yep. all my eyes are dotted and teaser crossed. But yeah, yep. uh, Dudley Bowden there in uh, in Jonesboro, best tax man ever. So, um, but yeah, it's just awesome. You know, I was very disappointed. You know, I always like even though I know you, I like looking up stuff mm-hmm. to see if I can find anything funny. I was very disappointed that your stint at Arkansas State did not show up in the Wikipedia page. People have told me that before. Uh, I, I tell you, it was it was a great six weeks. <laughs> I mean, know, they, they ought to they ought to put every time you, you change jobs. But I guess they just go. Hey, did you finish the season there? Were you part yeah. of the season? But but uh, you got it, Frankie I, Jackson there. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there and got to. I'll be honest, we got to know one of one of my now current coaches who, who was going to be my quarterback there in Ryan Applin. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Applin a little bit. Great stint. We can't have you on here, you know, without talking about App. So, um, he's one of my all-time favorites. He knows that. But um, did you have any? Did you have any uh, last night? Yesterday, we're taping this on Monday. So yesterday mm-hmm. was a Super Bowl. Any players in the Super Bowl? Yeah, you, you know, I, I had Robert Woods, uh, who Baller. was with us when I first got to USC. Um, tremendous receiver. I uh, had suffered a knee urge, injury earlier in the season. But it was great to see him on the uh, award stand last night, you know, getting to be a part of that. Um, a true pro's pro, uh, one of the most fierce competitors I've ever met, one of the more disciplined uh, practice players I've ever met, same guy every day. Um, just really, really happy for him. Uh, and, you know, Les Snead is, is, is obviously we, we were at Auburn uh, at one point in time together and happy for him. He was a, 
a great supporter uh, of us while we were at USC, always treated us right. And Sean McVay, too, uh, came and spoke at our clinic several times and and uh, just happy for that organization, really am. Yeah, I've known Les for a long time, too. And, you know, I was pulling for the Bengals because, you know, I'm like, I, they're fun to watch. But I was also like, even though the Bengals lost, I was for less. And then, you know, Taylor Morton and Teddy mm-hmm. and then a lot of the guys in the, in the front office that I've learned, you know, all over the years, it's just exciting when they finally get one, you know. So mm-hmm. especially with the draft, the draft style that uh, they, they don't believe in drafting. So I like their they just keep like trading it. the picks and going getting dudes. I tell you what, they they put the best team together in the NFL, and to see Matthew Stafford get that opportunity, and to see him make that run he made. I mean, as as good a clutch play over a playoff sequence that that you'll ever see in the last three games. Yeah, he did after. All right, so what about the uh, the halftime show? Did it take you back in time a little bit? <laughs> It, it did <laughs> to be able to see Dr. Dre and, and Snoop and Mary J. Blige and Kendrick Labar and Eminem. Uh, it, it was it was fun. It, it was fun to watch. I know my wife enjoyed it. I got I, she's in she's in Los Angeles right now while I'm in Statesboro. We're allowing our 18 year old to finish graduating there, and I got a little bit of a video clip shot to me of of her of her dancing and singing. And, and uh, she she is definitely the hip hop girl of the family. But uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So they came on. You know, my wife was. You know, my, I don't think she watched one play of the game. Okay, and then with about forty, whatever it was, right the last possession for the, I hit, my wife starts coming in there and she's like, "Hey, are you gonna sit down and watch it?" Because I was watching outside on the back patio, and she she's like, "Are you gonna come in here and watch this halftime show with me?" I'm like, "So I see her, sure." So I come in there, and then you know, my so I have a 15 year old, a 14 year old, and a six year old. Mm-hmm. And you know they see their mother as mother, and yeah. she went back in time. Oh. And she she knows every lyric to every song that was played yesterday. And she was, and she was twenty twenty one years old again. And she yeah. was, and she and they like who is this woman? So they had the, no idea. So that was very. Uh, it may have been the most entertaining part for me last night. I, I loved it. It was it was awesome. So, all right. So you're a southern guy like I am. Yeah. And. uh I'll tell you about mine here in a little bit, but when you first got to LA, so when you leave Jonesboro and you got mm-hmm. to LA, what was your first moment when you were like, I'm not in the South anymore? What happened out there that you're like, I'm not, I'm not in the South anymore? Oh, I remember it vividly. And just going to every restaurant and asking for sweet tea and nobody had it. <laughs> they look at you like you're crazy. Oh, no, no, no sweet tea and no grits it, it, anywhere within the state, I think. But that was the first time I was like, gosh, somebody, they were like, no, we have sugar, but uh, we don't have sweet tea. And yeah, I was like, they, they said they have sugar and sweet and low, but they don't have sweet tea. No, no. That was the first time I go, okay, I'm not in the South anymore. There you go. The, uh, the, the, uh, when you, I, I can't remember where I was. I was somewhere like up North. I think I was in mm-hmm. like New York or something. And I asked for a sweet tea just out of habit. And uh-huh. yeah, they 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 didn't like that. They don't uh, even know. When I came to Statesboro, like I came to Statesboro for the first two or three weeks. I, I must have drank a gallon a day. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop. I went about three weeks straight of not drinking nothing but sweet tea. I I, I know the feeling. All right, your dad Kim Helton was a legendary coach, um, mm-hmm. still coach. I think he's up there with your brother now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he goes back and forth. He he got uh, he helped my brother out in year one uh, when he was up there three years ago, and and now is kind of uh, semi-retired. He still he still watches every practice tape of me and brother, and then calls us. I, I'm just thank goodness I'm on the East Coast now. Those calls were coming at four thirty in the morning. I can imagine uh, when I was on the West Coast. Now that now at least I get him about six thirty seven. Yeah, I got a friend named that's a head coach now named Mike McIntyre. He likes calling mm-hmm. me. He he'll call me. Uh, he he has no idea about time zones. He he's, <laughs> he gets me. So no question. But then if I call him at eight thirty to my time p.m., mm-hmm. you know he 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 won't answer. So yeah, no you know, question. But so what was the you know we have a lot of coaches that listen. Uh, what was the hardest part? Because your dad was a coach as you grow up and all that, and y'all moved around a bunch. What what's the hardest part to you about being a coach's kid? Um. You know, my dad was my hero, my mentor, still is today. And um, you learn from the job how much time uh, it takes away from your family. Uh, and the one thing I, I always appreciated about dad is as soon as he got off, he always came to me and my brother. And we would go hunting, we'd go fishing, uh, we would be with him. And it wasn't the 
amount of time. It was really the quality of time uh, we got with him. And he was a great example for me going into the profession. And I, I still remember, you know, getting packing a U-Haul and getting ready to go to Duke University, just married Miss Angela and, and him saying, hey, I want you to write down your three priorities and live by them. And those are the most important. You don't have anything else, hobbies. You're not going out with the guys. What are they? And um, it's been used before. I, used, I said faith, family, and in the game. And um, he was just a tremendous example. Uh, you know, you wanted to be around him even more, but the game yeah. requires so much. You know, I got three children by birth. I got 130 other sons I've adopted that you, you watch after every day of your life, and it just takes time. And so, but I, I did learn from him the value of the quality of time that you spend with your family. So I think just uh, just wanted to be around him as often as I could. That was kind of the hardest thing. Yeah, my, my wife would always – uh, give me a little elbow to the ribs, and she would always say, "Look, you know, when I was getting out of check, she goes. Sometimes when you're home, you're not home. She would, mm-hmm. she would hit me with that one. So that's that's mm-hmm. her way of telling me to to straighten up. You know, she yeah. would. It, no it's uh, that's the hardest. That's the hardest thing because you're exhausted. You know, you're exhausted or whatever, yeah. and then you just it it becomes. You know, that's mm-hmm. the hard again time. And it's again, I I agree with you. I like the way you said that. It's not about the amount of time as much as it is the quality of yeah. time. So I just remember dad coming in and, and he, he taught me the example and, and he, just the amount of energy, you know, when you walk into that door, how, how important it is that you give the same energy yeah. uh, to give to your kids as you do, you know, the student athletes that we look after each and every day, you know, yeah. and, and he did that on a daily basis. He really did. All right, as a kid moving around, what's your what was your favorite place to live when you were a kid? Oh my goodness, um, I'd for have whatever to, reason, I'd, I'd I'd have to say uh, when Dad was at the University of Miami, I was okay. ten years old, uh, and maybe not the place, but the people that were there. Um, I'm ten years old. He's at the University of Miami, and and you look at the quarterback room, and it's it's Jim Kelly and Vinny Testaverde and Bernie Kosar and Mark Rick and Alonzo Highsmith is there. And, you know, my, my grandparents, you know, live right there in Miami, all my aunts and uncles, you know, uh, it, it was just being surrounded by great people. Um, and, you know, when you walk in a room and you see Jimmy and you see Vinny and you see Bernie and you see coach Rick, I mean, you're like, man, these are amazing people. I want to be like them. So I, I think it was probably the most impressionable time for me um that you know not only was it good to be a great player it was it was also awesome and cool to be a great person uh like those like those men are and uh to watch dad be a part of that he was the offensive coordinator at that time uh, under coach Nellenberger. it was a time where you know the university of miami was right on the brink 1979 yeah, getting ready to make the run it could have been it, it could have gone either way uh and to be to watch dad be a part of that and watch the men that kind of built that program up um it was really neat uh, to yeah. see so i think the people and the experience uh, plus i i like fishing in south florida i guess so awesome. yeah life doesn't suck down in south florida i can tell you that <laughs> there's always something to do all right so um you got another one of my buddies on your staff now richard owens and so mm-hmm. You know, I'm a foodie. You know that. I know you remember yeah. me and you ate at every restaurant yeah. in Jonesboro in the over yeah. over six week period. Um, is In and Out to you? Is In and Out Burger everything it's cracked up to be? Oh, you're gonna get me in trouble. Um, I tell you what, it, it is an experience. And when you go out to the West Coast, you have to try it. You have to go, and it is the line is out the door. You can't be there. Will be twenty, thirty cars waiting to to get in line. It is a good burger. But I, I when I went to high school, Dad was coaching at the uh, Houston Oilers, and I got I got akin to to Waterburger. Uh, yeah, and just and you know, so I wouldn't put over Waterburger, but it is a dang good burger. It is, and it is an experience that you got to try. Have you ever had Milo's? I have had Milo's. All right, where does Milo's? Okay, because I'm I'm a Milo's guy. Okay, yeah. I love me some Milo's. You know, Alabama guy, I love me some Milo's. Yeah, yep. Where does Milo's stack up in your Whataburger, In and Out, and Milo's, and and as far as hamburgers? Oh my goodness! I, for my taste, I would go probably Whataburger, Milo's, and and then In and Out. Okay. All right. Well, I'm okay. That's going to make – so do you remember Mickey Ryan in Jonesboro that did the radio? 
Mm-hmm. All right, he's a mm-hmm. he's a he, me and him have this argument on a daily basis. He's a Waterburger guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a Milo's guy. So I, yeah. every time I go, every time I drive through Alabama on I-20, there I stop on I stop that Leeds exit, and I'm getting Milo's, and I send him a text message every time, so it's a screenshot. So, <laughs> but your guy Richard. So mm-hmm. what I was telling you that I asked that question. So Richard, we go out to California. I don't know, five, six years ago to recruit. I was going to see a receiver that he was recruiting, you know, out there. He's Juco, California Juco guy. Mm-hmm. Like, Clay, you know me. I'm not a – Cali's not my speed, right? Mm-hmm. And so I get up early, and so I wake up. It's 3.30 in the morning out there, and I'm mm-hmm. and so I'm like, what do we do? And so we get there. Well, he's like, we're going to In-N-Out Burger. Like, that was that was almost as important as seeing the receiver. And so it was okay. I got the, was it, they call it, what do they call it? Monster fries, garbage fries, what do they call it when you, mm-hmm. when you get the fries all jacked up? Yeah. You got to get a double, double while you're out there. Double, double with, with fries. Is I just let Richard order for me. That's why he yeah. just ordered for me and I crushed it. It was good. It was good. It wasn't as good as Milo's, but it was good. I'm all, I'm all about it. All right. So when you were out West, the, the key question is, did you miss all the humidity while you were out there? I tell you what, it, you don't realize you get out there and you lose track of seasons. And it can go four months without rain. I mean, they average it averages ten days of rain a year, and you end up missing um, a good thunderstorm. You, you really do. Yeah. You end up missing a good rainstorm, as my dad used to call it, a frog strangler. You know, just a good hard <laughs> rain with with lightning and thunder. And you may get lightning once every other year out there, uh, but really? uh, there's only about ten days of rain. Uh, it, it, it seems like a year. So I did miss I did miss a good rainstorm with a little humidity in it. Yes, sir. Without so somebody rain. is this true? Because I don't know. Some people have told me this is that you know, like in the south, when it's mm-hmm. even a threat. Okay, mm-hmm. it could be flurrying outside, but nothing is sticking and people can't drive. Mm-hmm. Is it true that in L.A. when it starts raining, people freak out and they can't drive in the rain? It's it's different. It's I mean, it's 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 news out there now. If there's a rainstorm. It's news. And it is different. It is different for them. I, I tell you what, they handle traffic really, really well. I mean, it's good as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, but but rain's a little bit different. It's a, it's not a common occurrence, so it does throw people off a little bit. I've heard that, and I just thought that was hilarious. But all right, so your your brother Tyson, who is the head coach at Western Kentucky, okay, mm-hmm. he worked for you while you were at USC. Yeah. Okay. Was it hard? Like, could you? How was it hard separating like the brother relationship versus the boss and the employee relationship? No, it, it, I, it, honestly, it wasn't. I think a lot of it was Tyson did such a great job because it was um, it, it was when we came to work, uh, you know, he was chain of command. He really was. And then, you know, when we stepped away, uh, he, he was Uncle Tyson, you know, and to my kids, to Miss Angela, uh, we lived about a half mile apart, which was so special. I mean, yeah. you go imagine going to win a Rose Bowl and a Pac-12 championship with your brother. Uh, it, it was, it was probably the best two years of my t- 27, to be honest with you, yeah. to, to be able to be with him and to have those type of memories, uh, together, something I wouldn't train for the world, but I, I thought he probably handled it. Uh, he was the one that really handled it terrifically because, uh, he would flip a switch when he would come in and it was straight chain of command. And then as soon as. As soon as we left work, it was dang brother to brother, and uh, he was Uncle Tyson, you know. So uh, he had a great he had a great mindset about it. Yeah, I, I've always been fascinated. The one I've been a part of, I guess, the most of you know relatives was uh, you know Kane Womack, who's now the head coach at South Alabama. Mm-hmm. When we were here at Ole Miss the first time, Dave was a defensive coordinator, and Kane, and so him calling him, and we hung out you know outside the building. So when mm-hmm. we were in the building, it was coach. And then soon, as soon as we walked out of the building, it turned to dad. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a unique, you know, yeah. I've always found that fascinating for whatever reason. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. So you, I know I know you may end up giving me, this is maybe the one political answer you give me the whole time that we're doing this. So I kind of am expecting it. So yeah. you really are. You're known as one of the best quarterback coaches and developers out there in the business. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the proof is in the pudding. Um mm-hmm. You you you've left the USC and now everybody wants your quarterbacks. So I think mm-hmm. you get you you had I guess like you just keep stacking them. I don't know if you have them in a closet put away, but every it seems like every time you go through an injury or something like that, oh, that's it. Well, here comes the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. So who is of all your time? Okay, all your time. Who's the best one you've ever coached? Oh my goodness, 
Oh, you're crushing me. Well, well I told you I was putting, this was going to be the political answer you gave me. I set you um, up, I teed it up for you. Well, I, I tell you what, I've always believed um, quarterback's job is to raise his team, as uh, lift his team up as high as possible. Sometimes that equals championships. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it, it, they just take them as far as that team could possibly go. Um, you know, for me, I got the unique honor of um, coaching Sam Darnold, and I watched I watched him, you know, be hurt his junior year of his high school year. He was in high school; it's his junior year, and he's on a team that I think won two games, two games as um, a, a team that year in football, about four games in basketball, uh, and he was the point guard of that. Uh, was supposed to be the point guard of that basketball team. Didn't get to play that entire season either sport. And he comes back the next the next season, and now he's playing. And he lifts his high school football team up to a CIF championship. He lifts the basketball team to a championship. And I watched him do it uh, for us at USC. Um, we were a one and three football team, which at USC is not a good thing. <laughs> but it's not, it's not a fun experience. Uh, and he lifted he lifted our team up. You know, he got his opportunity as a freshman and lifted up a team and, and all of a sudden, which was a one and three football team, lifts him up to nine straight wins in a Rose Bowl and then comes back that following year and lifts us up to a Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Um, you know, he was probably the most productive quarterback as just lifting a team up that that I've had. Um, so I would I would say him. Um, now, there may have been some more talented guys that I've coached but as far as just finding a way to win and do it at the highest level uh, that guy did yeah you got one of my favorites in your building right now Mm -hmm. he knows that I I, I tell him I don't tell the other ones but I tell him yeah I don't want to get in trouble but you got one of my favorites in your building but you know what's crazy about Sam Darnold though is um you know, when he goes to the Jets and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, he's not – he hasn't – you know, we're going to trade him to the – you know, how the New York media is, but mm-hmm. we're going to trade him to Carolina. You don't realize how young the guy is. Like, oh, there's okay. guys coming out of college right now that, that are the same age. You know what yeah, I mean? No question. He's was still he young a- when he came to – was he like a young um, graduate? Mm-hmm. Like, was he under – Yeah. supposed to no, be in he, high school another year? Yeah, he had just turned 18 when, when he came to us as a freshman and and is still young today and still growing uh, today uh, as a quarterback. Um, I, I was always astonished with him um, and what he could accomplish at such a young age and what he saw. He was so reactionary and so creative in his play and just being able to make plays out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, he had a very mature game. You know, but there's still some great growth uh, for that young man. He's he's uh, an immense talent, and uh, always believe that quarterbacks, when they fight the find their right system, their right opportunity, and their right fit, they're going to thrive. and And yeah. I hope that for him. I agree with that. All right. So since you've been back in Georgia, back to the back to the South, what's the mm-hmm. best meal you've had since you've been back? Oh my goodness. Um, you know that you know what they are. I mark mine down. No, I, I know. I, I tell you what, um, I would have to say, uh, as good as a, the barbecue restaurants are, are, are around here, which there's a bunch of them, um, I, I actually, uh, one of the most surprising ones I had, I'll give you one of the most surprising ones, was RAD Jared Benko. Uh, okay. He is a closet a closet barbecue smoker uh, and I'm telling you what can flat do it. And one of the, one of the uh, first two weeks I was here, uh, he said, coach, why do you come over to the house and, and I, and have dinner with us. And I, I was not expecting what, what, what we had. I mean, it was as good a barbecue as I've had in a long, long time. Really? And, and so not only is he's been a terrific AD for me, but he's also one of the better, better barbecuers there are. I would put him against yeah. any other AD in the country right now. And that's one thing. Party. Now that now that I have a little bit more time on my hands, like being you know out of the office, mm-hmm. I'm, I aspire to like get better at doing mm-hmm. like uh, that's one like manly thing that I, I'm. I mean, look, I can grill steak and those kind. Of, I'm talking mm-hmm. about like the smoking and the getting into the green mm-hmm. egg and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm just going to force myself to do it. Um, there you go. But you know, I aspire to do that. I, I aspire to be that guy. I can't. Uh, but I, right now, I'm, I have no no well, hope. Go see, go see Jared Benko. He'll, he'll teach you. Yeah, I'm going to get him. He, he's going to give me some endo. We're going to go a little <laughs> practice on the green egg or something. But 
All right, so your family, your family's uh, still in transition, okay? I know you mm-hmm. still got some in college and you're in Statesboro. All right, so I used to get in trouble for this, so I'm going to see if you get in trouble for this too. But do you actually cook anything and when you go home or are you eating out every night? <laughs> I actually like to cook. That's a, Okay. That's a, I, I don't think I've told many people that. Let's go. Like Let's go. I like to cook. I cook more meals at the house than Miss Angela does when we're when we're together. But uh, get I'm a close. It is Valentine's Day. You're supposed to get in trouble. I know. I know. Uh, it's but it, but and she'll and she'll admit that too. <laughs> Whenever I'm home, I think it's just sanity to be able. You know how you know how it is yeah. as a coach. If we're not moving or doing something, it's it's really hard. And so, yes. um, a part of just coming home and relaxing for me is I like to cook. And so, um, I, I enjoy it and it lowers my blood pressure, I guess. What, what, what's your, what's your specialty? What, what are you cooking? All right. Just, just, all right. Tonight um, you're going home, you're by yourself. What are you fixing for yeah. dinner? Well, I got me, a, I got a hell of a piece of salmon the, the, a night ago. I had some salmon, some asparagus, a twice baked potato and, uh, absolutely loved it. But I, I, I like different dishes. I like pastas. I like, I like getting on the grill and cooking like i like to do fish i I like to do several things i like getting a recipe and and trying to make it make it my own and so um it's something that i guess we all all have hobbies Uh, i've got a couple in cooking cooking as well yeah we do the um my wife and i do the hello fresh stuff you know Mm -hmm. and uh so i gave and my wife bless her heart she's probably she's she's gonna be listening because you're on here but mm-hmm. I'm probably really fixing to get in trouble. She she struggles. She burns water every once in a while when she's boiling it, you know. But on Hello Fresh, okay, Hello Fresh, it, she can cook, right? I don't know if it's yeah. I don't know, you know, she does it right. She made the best thing out of the week. I told her, I said, We've been together what, twenty four years. It's the best. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the best that she's ever cooked. And and then so oh, I was bragging on her. I was yeah. bragging. I was trying to be complimentary about how good the mm-hmm. meal was. And then I got mm-hmm. I got grilled for it because it really wasn't considered cooking. If she already had the ingredients and the instructions on how to do it, and I was like, "Well, I mean, I mean, I was trying to be nice." But, all right, what's the what's the what's the one food? Okay, I know you you like to cook more than Angela does. What what's the one food that your wife does cook that you're missing right now? Oh well, I growing up in Florida, I love seafood. I love I love yeah. fish, and uh, she does a blackened fish that uh, with rice, black beans. Pico de Gallo, little lime that I, I just, every time she makes it, I just, uh, she calls, she tells me I'm like a Labrador puppy. I just eat it, it, it eat it until <laughs> everything's gone in the house. And so, um, I, I miss, I miss when she blackens a piece of fish and, and, and serves it. So I'm looking forward. She's going to get here in June. We're going to let our, our 18 year old graduate. And I'm looking forward to getting her to Statesboro and, and, and serving a little black. Eat some blackened fish. I like it. Yeah. All right. You spent a lot of years in Memphis, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of years in Memphis, 10 years, 12 years, long time. I can't remember what the, mm-hmm. how long it was, a long time. Mm-hmm. All right, when you go back, all right, you can only have one meal. And you and you had to pick, are you going to Rendezvous or are you going to Gus's Fried Chicken? Oh, God. You can only pick one. I, You know what? I, I'll have to say Rendezvous. Because you can get probably good fried chicken all over the South. It's that dry rub. In Memphis, it's different. unique. It's yeah. different, and it's unique, and you can't find it everywhere. You and can't, so, man. I don't know what the deal is. It's only you know you got to go to you got to go to Memphis to go get it. And the rendezvous, I remember our our recruiting weekends and bringing kids in, and everybody be like, "Oh my gosh, this is so unique. It's so different," and uh, you miss it. You know, there's certain things that you always remember, meals that you always remember. Rendezvous is one, just for the ambiance and the experience of being there. Uh, but the food is is unbelievable. It's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really not the the chicken at Gus that I like so much. I think it's just the batter. Like I could just eat mm-hmm. peel off the skin and just eat the skin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, it's, they put salt. I'm I don't right know. there it's, with it's, you. It's good. I'm so. right there with you. All right, so we'll we'll ask a serious question here. <clears throat> Give me your what's your thoughts kind of on the transfer portal. Um, I, I have gone off on nauseam, you know, the way it's affecting high school recruiting, uh, high school kids' opportunities and things like that. But what's your just your general thoughts on the transfer portal? 
Yeah, I think we're all trying to learn it. Um, I, I've we've kind of taken the approach that um, I believe in development of young kids. Um, you know, so when you look, we we've signed twenty six kids thus far, and twenty two of the kids are high school football players. And so we've taken four transfer um, portal kids out of twenty six. And I, I always go back to you know we talked about Les Snead earlier, and, and I, I always remember when you know Los Angeles when they first came to LA, they have a playoff team. Les comes in. Uh, Sean comes in, they create a playoff team that was really a good team. Um, and I remember that next, that off season, Les goes out and he get he gets basically three transfers of his own. He gets Adamic and Sue, he gets Marcus Peters, and he gets Tlaib. And, and now all of a sudden that playoff team went to a Super Bowl team. And you look at it this year, you know, all of a sudden they make two or three, four changes within their personnel that all of a sudden gets them back to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, you know, is one of those guys. Uh, they bring in, uh, you know, yeah, they bring in Vaughn. You know, they bring in uh, um, Odell, uh, Odell. And so, you know, he made some changes that really made them the best possible team. So, I, you know, I don't think we're going to ever take the approach, oh, we're going to go sign 20 transfer portal kids. I think there's di- two different philosophies. Um, yeah. You know, I, what we've done is we've selected, you know, four guys that we really felt helped us, um, you know, make the best team for next year. We lose a CJ Wright uh, to the NFL. And uh, so we go out and we, and we sign a Christian Varner as a defensive tackle from North Carolina. Um, you know, and and be able to help that position. I think that's how we're going to use it. I've seen other teams do that. Um, I hope that we always focus on the development of kids and, yeah. you know, see this as a possible kind of free agent market rather than, oh, that's let's go ahead and sign half our class, be transfer, transfer kids. Uh, I know that's the way we're going to approach it. There's too much talent in the state of Georgia, to be honest with you, and especially in the rural areas. They're just, I mean, it, there's just such great yeah, athletes. You are, you are surrounded by it oh my gosh it's such a great recruiting base that you know we're going to lean just like we did this year um 26 kid 22 are high school 19 of the 22 are from georgia and then we took four transfers that we thought were really good fits for us going into next year yeah that's just my i wish they you know and i don't know him and i i have my ideas and all that stuff but what the the problem that i guess it bothers me the most is you're looking at the number of kids that are actually signing out of high school and the amount of opportunities that it's taken away. And you remember back in the day, yeah. it was the two major problems. And so, you know, fans that don't understand what we're talking about can kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to give them the cliff notes version of it. But mm-hmm. back in the day we had 25 spots. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was hard enough for us to stay at 85 scholarships, signing 25 high school kids a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Over a five year period. So you had, you know, over a five-year period, you're signing 125 kids, and it's very difficult to stay at 85 doing that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now by taking the portal kids, it's going to be very difficult to maintain the 85, right? Um, That's problem one. But problem two is is when you're looking at, like, I, I, we, you know, COVID, when COVID hit, the amount of high school players that that, that missed out uh, Mm -hmm. on college because of that, and now the portal has added on top of that. And when you do that, you're looking at it's actually going down. And most states are down 40% of their mm-hmm. normal, you know, kids to FBS schools are down mm-hmm. 40. I was looking at California since you just left, you know, mm-hmm. pre-COVID, California, I think, signed like 420-something kids or whatever. Yeah. And this year they're like at 220. Yes. And, yeah. and so I, that's a lot of kids. Yeah, we, we felt it in Georgia too. I, I'll be honest with you, it benefited us as far as there were some kids that, that were out there that um, that we got, and I was I was I, I was happy for us, but <laughs> I, I was just like I cannot believe the, these kids don't have more, and I think a lot of it has to do with the the number of scholarships have decreased because of the portal. Um, yeah. Now the the NCAA has made that adjustment of the plus seven, which I think has been a a good alteration because we are seeing kids you know, leave universities and it's hard to get back to the 85. Right. Uh, so to be able to have those 25 initials plus the seven, uh, if you do lose kids, uh, is it going to at least help teams get back to hopefully close? I don't know if yeah. they'll all the way get there, but at least closer to that 85. Yeah. It's just a, I just hate it. You know, I, you know, I'm, you know we're in it and, and you're one of the great guys of all time and you know, too, you're in it for the kids and you just, mm-hmm. You hate it for high school kids losing opportunities because a lot of these kids, that's the only way they go to college, you know. Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, but it is that part is what it is. Hopefully we can get that figured out uh, yeah. before too long. But all right, so we talked, we teased it a little earlier. So mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Applin, who's your inside receivers coach and tight ends coach, uh, one of my favorites of all time I've ever coached. Um, mm-hmm. If not, I mean, he, he, he is right up there just to mm-hmm. see. Uh, I used I joke with him off the air. I said that Hugh Freeze and Gus Malzahn owe him 3% of their contracts moving forward uh, because <laughs> Hugh doesn't get the job at Ole Miss and Gus doesn't get the yeah. job at Auburn if it wasn't for Ryan mm-hmm. Applin, who won player of the year two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he used to, I know that he used to, back in the day when we didn't throw the ball 900 times a game, he basically mm-hmm. owned every record in the Sunbelt mm-hmm. Conference. Yeah. Um, but the key question is, is, you know, what people don't know is my man Clay Helton used to be a pretty good quarterback back in his day too. Mm-hmm. So who's I the best quarterback? On, who's the best quarterback on the staff? Is it Clay Hilton or Ryan Apple? Oh, that's that's so easy. It's it's Ryan. It's Ryan. Followed don't give him him. age now. I'm talking about you're the same I, age. Don't give no, him. Don't I, cut him any slack I'm now. About as a college quarterback, it goes in this order. It goes Ryan Apple, then Brian Ellis, who's a, who was a really good quarterback of his own, and then way down the line uh, is is Clay Hilton. But uh, no, just uh, you know, I got to physically see it with with Ryan and and the talent. And you you think about what he accomplished in this league. I mean, two time, he's the best player you know in the conference, and the the numbers that he was putting up before all the all the uh, throwing a billion balls a a game. Um, he was a special talent within this league. He's a special man. Um, I'm so thankful to have him down here. He's doing a terrific job. But uh, if we lose a quarterback or two, he could still go out there and spit it today. I t- I'm telling you, he can spin it now. And, I, and look, I've been around some good ones. And, you know, I, the best part about it is he really, all kidding aside, away from it from an evaluation standpoint, we talk about intangibles and things like that. He was like a – we were taking him as like an old crap guy. Like he mm-hmm. wasn't – we literally had to beat Jacksonville University at that time, I think it was Division Three or whatever they were. Like, he didn't even have an offer from anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, we were his only Division One offer. And we had signed another kid, Andre Smith, who was, mm-hmm. you know, really highly ranked and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And and then App just came there and kind of just took over. I mean, he, he, he showed up like – I used to joke with him. I said, um, he's definitely not one of the guys that you send off the bus first. Was he he looked like the he looked like the punter when he came off the bus, but buddy when he put the pads on he was he was a beast. I tell you so. what, he's always been an overachiever as a player and now as a coach. He he does a phenomenal job and going to be I mean a superstar in, in this profession. And he was a dream for a coach because we wouldn't even send in like when we were sending in when you know when he was uh, mm-hmm. when we were sending in plays, I wouldn't even send in the protection. I would literally mm-hmm. send in the formation and the route. And he would, he would call the protection and do all that stuff himself, and he never missed. You know, yeah. we studied every Tuesday. He knew he understood protections. He understood everything, and he would set the protection. He made you right as a coach instead of back in those days. Now it's all adjustable, right? But back in those mm-hmm. days, you used to set protections. Yeah, and uh, he would do it right every time and, and make yeah. the right checks. Very football smart individual. Makes you look like a good football coach when you got a guy like no that question. pulling the trigger. Players are a lot better. Players are a lot better than coaches. <laughs> crazy magic how that works out. Players win a lot more games. All right, I got I got something. I'm I'm just fascinated by it. It doesn't happen that often. Uh, you just went through it. Um, you got hired at Georgia Southern um, mm-hmm. at the end of the year before their season was over with. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like the transition? Like, so when you get the job and kind of what, what do you do? Cause they're still playing games. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know how they had a few games left. I don't know how many it was, but so kind of what is your, what was your day to day? What was your transition like? Yeah. You know, I thought it was one of the more bold and and proactive progressive moves um, that I've seen in a long time that Jared did. Benko, our our athletic director, you know, um, he made a decision on the direction he wanted to go. He, he, we were able to get in here, oh my God, November 1st, uh, and really have three weeks uh, with the current football team to be able to uh, evaluate both players, uh, staff, uh, do uh, basically have 40 days worth of recruiting to be able to sign a class. And it was so important. And, it, you know, um, I, I credit the past staff because they were so, they were so much professional about it, uh, welcomed me, understood the situation. We broke the ice immediately and saying this, obviously a, a different situation here. Um, however, we can help each other want to do that. Um, you know, I remember it being in that situation with 
with uh, Coach Sarkeesian, you know, when at, at yeah. USC when he became the head coach, and I'm the interim head coach at uh, at USC, and I, I just as I reminded everybody on this staff, just remember why we all got into it. We got into it for the kids, and they only get one college experience. As coaches, we're going to move on to different situations, but I said I'm so proud of this group because they're providing great college experience and. Because of those three weeks, I was able. We were able to build relationships uh, with the current team uh, to be able. There were a lot of fifth, six-year kids that were making decisions whether they were going to come back and supplying them a vision of what it was going to be like. Uh, it was enabled me to look at current staff and actually kept some individuals off the last staff, uh, both uh, Coach Whitley, who was the interim head coach, a lot of support members uh, that were on staff. Um, and then, you know, it allowed us, I would go out in the morning um, and go out and hit high schools, come back and be able to watch uh, practice. watch practice that afternoon and then spend the night and visit with players, you know. So it was, uh, it was a really important time. I don't think we would be where we are today, to be honest with you, if Jared doesn't make that decision at the time. You may be on to something there, or your AD may be on to something there. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and I didn't even cross my mind until – until you just said that mm-hmm. is now when the coaching change occurs with a transfer portal and the way it is, and everybody gets a free mm-hmm. transfer, you basically had three to four weeks free shot to recruit your players to keep them there. So they didn't get in the portal to where mm-hmm. if the season ended and there's no coach in place for 10 or 12 days, we know what all happens then. Well, you know what happens, Tyler. I mean, usually these jobs are handed out, you know, in early December and there's only maybe, maybe, 10 days to to go sign an initial class so what do you do you have a press conference and you immediately are in homes trying to recruit uh, and you don't get to have the quality time you would with the current team and a lot of guys trying to make decisions on what they're going to do with their future you know and to be able to have i've always thought the greatest gift you can give somebody is your time and to be able to have that time to be able to sit down with guys and allow them to process uh you know who you are what you're about what your vision is and give them clarity and transparency it at least allows them to make the best decision for themselves you know so i thought that was a, a big piece of now sitting here basically 90 days into this job now um i, I don't think we'd be in the same place uh, to be yeah. honest with you, but I'm not agree. here in November. That's that. I never even thought about that until you just it just when you were talking about that it hit me. That's that's a uh, that's something interesting. All right, so your son is going to Western Kentucky to play to play with your brother. Okay, so the key question is, let's say let's say your son starts playing. Okay, where's Miss mm-hmm. Angela going to be? Is she going to be in Statesboro? Or is she going to be? A, is she going to be in Bowling Green? Who's who's one out? You or the son? I, I, I could probably see this. She'll be at every home game, and, and, and she'll probably go see her son as often as she can. I'll, I'll lose out a couple times there. There's no question. She's she's already told him that hey, you know what? We always we always support who's got the roof over our heads, and so she'll be wearing she'll be wearing blue and white. Uh, but if we ever have a bye week, I could promise you, I'm not seeing her that week. Yeah, she's, she's gone. gone. She's gone. Well, it, it probably it helps too that your brother's there, you know. So she, you know, she got a little, you know, no, no question. Got and some uh, sponge there. And all the cousins, yeah. She's going to be up there often. Yeah, he has no chance with all the. He has no chance with all the with the uncles and cousins and everything else there. He can't. He can't get out of line in Bowling Green. No, he can't. On. <laughs> all right. So have you have you got a new house yet? Have you have you bought a house? Or are y'all still looking? We're we're hopefully getting one finalized here soon. Uh, now, do know, you have I, anything to do with that, or are you completely stay out of it? That's the key question. Um, I, no, I've had a little bit to do. I, I'm, I'm just uh, as long as it's got a roof and Miss Angela's under it, I, I'm good. Uh, yeah. But but I have with with the situation we're in, um, you, you know um, that I have been involved a little bit more. The one at USC was when we first went to USC. It, there was so limited inventory and it would go so fast that uh, we went out there to rent a house and I had to pick the house oh, and I, I was just praying to God that I got it right. And thank God I did. But that was a scary. She's picked basically every house for us. But that one at USC, that was a scary one because I had to pick I had to pick it because we just ran out of time. Yeah, I got in trouble. I've done it once. You know, mm-hmm. we moved 10 times. Um, I got in trouble for picking uh, the one in Jonesboro, actually. Okay. Mm. Um, because I picked what I liked and mm-hmm. I'm a guy and the kitchen mm-hmm. wasn't up to my wife's 
uh, requirements. So I heard about that every day for four years. And then when we resold it, that was my fault. Oh my you know, gosh. so yeah, I got, I got, so I don't mess with them. I really yeah. don't mess with them. I literally say, look, long, I mean, give me an address and as long as I got a bed and a TV, I'm good. So I live I by one rule. I live by one rule that's kept me employed and married for 26 <laughs> years. If mama's happy, everybody's happy. Everybody's so just happy. It doesn't matter. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So if you here, here's the key question. So if you ever, let's say we got January comes up, we've had a good year. All right. Western Kentucky's had a great year. All right. And it's you and Tyson against each other mm. in a bowl game. And let's say it's mm-hmm. like January one. Okay. A mm-hmm. January bowl game. What's the conversation like at Christmas dinner? Oh my God. Is my son there or is he not there? Uh, he's not there. We'll, we'll he's going, not there. Yeah, we're okay. going. A lot less trash talking then. A lot less trash talking? <laughs> Me and my youngest, we 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 trash talk each other. But uh there'll be a little there'd be a little trash talking between the two of us. We we've competed a couple times against each other. The the one that has it the worst is my mom. But, you know, she cannot, she prays to God every night that we never have. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Her favorite, her favorite couple of years is when we actually work together. But, um, but there'd be a little trash talking there. If my son's included, then there's a lot of trash talking. Now, would would dad put a stop to it? Would Kim just say that's enough? Uh, He'd probably jump right in. We're, (laughs) we're we're a very competitive family. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. All right, last thing I want to ask you about before we close it up, and uh, it's, we're going back, we'll go back to a serious question here. Um, and I'm kind of curious on your thoughts because I know mm-hmm. you've been at every level. You know, um, you know, I appreciate that because a lot of guys have never even, you know, been to the group of five mm-hmm. or whatever and then never been to the power five or whatever. What's your opinion on, like, playoff expansion? Do you have a, you have a p- opinion on it? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. You know, you got to look at it from two views. One, as a, as when you're dealing with your job as a head coach, you, you know, you have to deal with the reality, and the reality is we're a four, 14 playoff right now, so you fight like heck to be one of those four teams. That's your job. And then you step on outside of your job and you look at it from a big picture and actually a fan standpoint. Um, I look forward personally. I think there'll be a discussion at some point in time. And I do think at some point in time, there'll be expansion and they'll go to eight or 12 teams. And I think it's going to be great for the game. I, I really do. I think it'll be so entertaining, uh, so competitive. Um, and to see some of the matchups uh, that can come about from it, I think would be extremely intriguing. I mean, we we see how we see how fast um, group of five schools are growing and becoming extremely powerful. You look at I think of Cincinnati, Central Florida, um, Memphis. Uh, uh, you know when Mike was there, you know really great football teams that you'd love to be able to see in there. Um, I think of our own league in the Sun Belt, and you know I, that league changed. You came back, and that league was some war daddies. I'm going to tell you what, the league is so dang strong. And so I, I think it would be a really exciting, you know, and obviously the best team is going to rise to the top. But, right. you know, but I, I think for the college football fan and college football in general, it would be neat uh, to be able at one day to be able to expand it to eight to 12 teams. Um, and I think it would provide some great intrigue, some great excitement, some great discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and no, there uh, is. I wanted I look- to expand – I wanted to expand. Um, I've always said sixteen. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're having twelve, that's four mm-hmm. rounds anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you remember, like in the old FCS days, where every single league, the winner got mm-hmm. a spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how awesome would it be? It didn't matter what league you were in, knowing that if you won your league, yeah. which is the goal of everybody, right? I mean, mm-hmm. every league, every school on your goal board is to win the conference mm-hmm. to get in. And especially, I think that would be so good for football oh. uh, because your Tuesday night matching games mean something now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and then exactly filtering back to what is happening with a portal, okay, to where these kids that used to be power five guys are now mm-hmm. sliding down to the group of five schools because less mm-hmm. and less spots. Mm-hmm. There's going to be better football. Oh, no question. And, and you're going to be able to pop some people. And if you mm-hmm. go and win your league, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is it gives everybody hope, man. If you're a co- – you know that. If you, once you take yeah. somebody's hope away, you've taken away everything. 
Well, I, I think it would be tremendously exciting. I think kids would love it. I think the college fan base would love it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to that. I, I think we will one day. I really do. I, we're driving, we're driven by TV and the Alvati dollar. And, you know, you watch those NFL playoffs and how exciting, you know, the last couple of weeks have been uh, with, you know, having that playoff run. Um, it, I, I truly believe at some point in time college football will get there. I do too. Well, Clay, I've kept you long enough, brother. I appreciate the hell out of you. I think you're one of the, you know, I hate that uh, I hate that I only got to spend a short period of my uh, career with you. Um, but I'm so excited for your success. I'm glad you glad you back glad you back home. I call South home. Glad you back home on, on the on the uh, right coast instead of the left coast. Uh, but I'm so thrilled to have you back, man. And I know you got my man app, and and you got a fan. You always have a fan of me, but you, now you got three times as fans. So because with Richard and App, and now you over there. So, um, but you're always again one of the best and most humble guys in the business. And I'm excited for you uh, to be back at Georgia Southern. Appreciate it, Tyler. Appreciate you, brother. Been great being on and seeing you. I want to thank Clay Helton for joining us this week. Great human being, great ball coach. Um, I was very sad that our time was only cut short there for six weeks, but uh, his move did did change my career, so it was fun to catch back up on those things. All right, let's move on to the Super Bowl, which happened yesterday. If you're listening to us on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, obviously this past Sunday, uh, it really happened just about identical to what we talked about um, on last week's show uh, with Neil McCready. Uh, this thing came down to the offensive line and how they protected Joe Burrow. I was really shocked at the beginning of the game, just like we talked about last week. They were setting the protection early in the game to Aaron Donald, but they had Von Miller on the other side than what we talked about last week on the show. But what happened? There was no pressure on Joe Burrow, and they were really getting the ball downfield. They were able to do some things in the passing game and score points and move the ball. And then you saw right at the end of the first half, they actually moved. They said, okay, you're setting the protection to Aaron Donald, the double team there. So they finally moved Von Miller to the defensive left, like we discussed last week. And when they did that, they couldn't stop him because it set, they were running twists and games on Von Miller's side, and they they got after Joe Burrow. Um, and so that, that's really what the game came down to, the pressure on Joe Burrow at the end. And if you haven't seen it, and when I mean the game came down to it, the last play, and it's it's circulating a little bit on Twitter today, so I'm sure by the time you listen to this, you'll see it. There is an image floating on the last play of the game. Jamar Chase is running uncovered because Jalen Ramsey fell down. And Joe Burrow got sacked by Aaron Donald on the last play of the game. And Jamar Chase is running uncovered down the right sideline. And so when we say it affected the game, it changed the game, and it probably cost uh, Cincinnati a Super Bowl. But, look, great teams, uh, two great teams, and uh, you can't be mad at Cincinnati. Cincinnati covered eight straight weeks. So, like we like to say, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, so they covered eight straight weeks. So that was uh, good for the good for the pocketbook for all you guys. So I hope you jumped on that like we talked about last week. I want to wrap this thing up talking about uh, the finality of the soap opera that was Auburn football been going on for the last week or so. Uh, here, here's the deal, guys. I, as, you know, person that grew up in the state, played there, wore the uniform, the whole deal, I'm just – I was tired and exhausted of it by the end of the day. I didn't have anything else really to say. Um, but here's the facts. Auburn tried to fire their coach with calls, and they tried every way they could, public manner and in private, to fire him with calls. They even went to the extent of publishing a clause in their university bylaws about interfering with investigations or not participating in investigations. Uh, they literally tried everything they could to fire him with calls. And then when they went to the people that the power brokers uh, to pay out his buyout, they said no. And so here we are. Auburn has self-inflicted um, wounds that will um, hurt them for a long time. It's going to kill recruiting. Recruiting is hard. It's going to make that much more difficult. Um, I know the people there running recruiting that are really good people and really good at their job, and, and you made that very hard. Um, so it's a self, it was self-administered with the leaks to the media, and that's the truth. And so – at the end of the day, that's where we sit, and I'm, you know, I'm glad we have some finality, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, 
you know, hopefully Harson gets some support from the fans and, and gets a little time to get things done. And he's and you hired him to do a job, let him do the job. If you don't want him to do the job that you um, hired him to do, that's why his buyout is in there. You have the right as a university to pay pay the coaches whenever you want to. But you hired him to do a job. Whether you agree with the way he's doing the job or not, you should have known that before you hired him if you didn't agree with it. Let him do his job. Make sure you check us out. If you want to see the video, make sure you check us out on YouTube, uh, our page, Home Visit with Tyler Siskin Associates on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Give us all of our ratings and reviews and three-star reviews that you know we love. And until next time, take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.